So good to see you here in the auditorium. Welcome to everyone who's watching in the venue and also everyone watching online at carneyefree.com. Great to be with you today. My name is Adrian. I'm one of the pastors here at this church. And if we haven't met, love to connect you after the service. Well, whenever you're ready to introduce yourself to us, love to meet you. Again, that dessert on us is an easy way to connect with us if you're newer to the church over the past several months as well. We are doing a couple different things today, as has already been noted. We're launching this Pray 100 initiative, 100 days of prayer that will take us through the fall, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. And then we're also starting this new message series titled Citizens of Another Kingdom, in which we'll be in the book of Matthew, different uh, parables from Matthew, also in the Sermon on the Mount, different teachings found from Jesus, specifically in the book of Matthew, as it relates to the kingdom of God. So you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Um, before we jump into the series today, though, I wanted to give well, one other quick update. If you've been around for the past five or six weeks, you've heard us talk a lot about this value that we have in our discipleship pathway that's called Join the Mission. And we had our E-Free Ministry Expos for a couple weeks, and we talked about a number of different areas that you could be involved in. I just am delighted to tell you this morning that as we've been focusing, putting a spotlight on Join the Mission, 117 of you have come forward and said, I want to be a part of a ministry at Carney E-Free or through our church to the community. 117 over the course of six weeks. Yeah, that's incredible. But because those are folks who are saying, I want to be a part of using my hands for ministry, using my words for ministry. I understand that I don't just go to church, I am the church, right? I don't just go to church, I am the church. And engagement trumps attendance seven days a week. I'm delighted to tell you as lead pastor here that we now have over 700 people who are involved in some area of ministry in the church and, or through the church to the broader community. So that's just incredible. That's a testament to, to the faithfulness of our church. And I want to give thanks to God, Bob, before we begin this message. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, I do thank you. Well, this is an on-board church, an on-mission church, and what a blessing it is. Well, what a gift to see so many people respond to vision over these past number of weeks and say, yes, I will join the mission in some area in the church or through the church for the glory of God. And uh, that's a huge step. That's a big, big deal on our discipleship journey. And so I pray for those who are just now entering in uh, that you would help them as they test the waters over the course of these number of weeks. And we ask, God, that you would be about transformation in us. You would start transforming us as we serve, as we learn, as we worship, as we enter into community through all those different areas that we give ourselves to you, you would be in the business of transforming us more and more to the likeness of Christ. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for this church and the incredible response and the way you've worked in hearts to move us to this point. Well, we give you glory and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, several years ago, there was a fighter pilot who was practicing a number of maneuvers in her jet fighter. And as she was moving the controls in her jet fighter and preparing a steep ascent, doing some practice routines, she maneuvered the controls, and within a few seconds, she 
flew directly into the ground. It's a tragic and it's a true story. And when I heard that story many years ago, I thought to myself, that, my friends, is a parable for life today. Many people today are moving at an incredible speed. And we're not really sure what's up and what's down. We can be flying upside down, and at times we may not even know it like that jet fighter. Even more, I think today we are haunted by the suspicion that many of us have that perhaps there would be no difference between flying upside down and flying right side up. We're not sure anymore what the good and beautiful life looks like in our culture today. How to live, how to grow in character formation is not considered a subject of study, a subject of knowledge in contemporary universities. It's not considered a subject of study or a subject of knowledge in the media of this day. It used to be that we would grow in character formation and to help someone grow in character formation was a subject of knowledge that they would take in over time and there was an expectation that they would grow morally as well as in joy and in hope over the course of time. You know, when Jesus speaks of the kingdoms of this world, he's talking about things like media and learning formats, and he's also talking about nation states, and he's talking about the cultural influences, the peer pressures, and the groupthink that becomes the air that we breathe in 2022 without even realizing that we're breathing it. We live amidst the kingdoms of this world. Here's some characteristics of our present worldly kingdom as we seek to set the groundwork in this series for becoming citizens of a different kingdom, citizens of another kingdom altogether. Here's some characteristics of our worldly kingdom. Expertise doesn't matter much anymore. Influence is what matters today and social media influencers seem to matter the most. They tell us what is cute and clever. And cute and clever now is what is cool. And fear of missing out, FOMO, is what rules today. We're told to practice random acts of kindness and senseless acts of beauty. Random kindness? Senseless beauty? That's the best we can get? We're told that women are valuable so long as they're young and sexy. If you quote Jesus today, that's considered kind of odd. But if you quote Napoleon Dynamite today, that's considered kind of awesome. This is the world we're living in. There are no absolute truths, except, of course, the statement that there are no absolute truths. The only moral law is that you don't hurt other people or other things, however you describe the word hurt and however you describe the word others. It's a kingdom where pride and lust and anger are prized, and humility and modesty and gentleness are despised. 
Indeed, if you aren't angry and worried, there must be something wrong with you, we're told. It's a kingdom where politics now trumps theology, where might makes right. The self reigns supreme in the kingdoms of this world. Morality is preference, gender is fluid, and greed is good. The kingdoms in this world, including in the church, I might say, have forgotten that Jesus is our teacher. Many in the kingdoms of this world, even in the church, have forgotten that Jesus is the most brilliant, the most radiant, the most perfect person that ever lived. He is our example, not just for how to get to heaven, but for how to live. We've forgotten that he's our teacher. And instead, we take our cues, we get our teaching from people like Dear Abby Columns and Tony Robbins and Kylie Jenner. Friends, this is the air we now breathe. This is a snapshot that I just gave you of the kingdoms, both of right and left, and I might say way down deep south too. And I'm not talking about Alabama, okay? These kingdoms come from another place. They are not the kingdoms of God. God, my friends, he beckons us to a completely different citizenship than the kingdoms of this world with very different values, one that Jesus Christ calls simply the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. He used those two terms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, synonymously throughout the Gospels. This is not a political kingdom. Jesus came to do way more than teach us how to vote. This is not a social kingdom. Jesus came way more than to teach us what causes we should support and what protests we should attend. And it's more than a kingdom of the afterlife. Please get this. It's more than a kingdom of the afterlife. Jesus came to give us more than beautiful life insurance. He came to give us a beautiful life. And then he gave gold-plated life insurance as well. But he came to give us the kingdom of God here and now. Now we have this anxious feeling right now that things aren't quite right. And we're right to feel a little bit anxious about that. Both in the church and outside the church, we recognize that things just aren't quite right in our culture right now, do we not? Okay, I hope you all recognize with that, otherwise I'm just preaching to myself. We have this sense that things are not right. And it's like we in America today and in the West today, we have more materially than we've ever had. And yet at the same time, rates of depression and opioid abuse, and anxiety, and crime rates, all of those things are soaring right now in the midst of a time of incredible prosperity. Why is this, that things are so off? My friends, I promise you it has way more to do than just quarantines and masks and supply chain management issues. It's bigger than that. We in the West have been flying upside down for a long, long time. And we need the direction of our Lord Jesus Christ to get us right side up once again. In so many ways, well, we've lost our targets for what a good and beautiful life looks like, that it's not about power and wealth and success, it's about humility and love and mercy. You see, when Jesus began his public ministry, he said simply this, repent, repent, 
which means turn, repent, because the kingdom of God is now at hand. Okay, so you are in the kingdoms of this world, he's saying, as he begins his public ministry, you're in the kingdoms of this world, I'm telling you to turn from those, because the kingdom of God is now at hand. And he teaches more on this subject of the kingdom of God, though, than he teaches on salvation, on money, on relationships, on sex, on heaven, on hell, on any other subject, he teaches more on the kingdom of God than anything else. And many of us, if we're honest, we're not really sure what he means when he teaches on the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. It's a phrase that's used some 91 times by Jesus in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can be a citizen of the kingdom of God if you live, my friends. You can be a citizen of the kingdom of God if you live in government housing. Just as much as you can be a citizen of the kingdom of God if you live in a mansion. You can be a citizen of the kingdom of God if people think that you are a nobody. You can be a citizen of the kingdom of God if you're known by everybody in town, and you can be equally a citizen in the kingdom of God if you're known by nobody in town. Indeed, the only one with any status in the kingdom of God is Jesus Christ himself. There is no status in the kingdom of God. You can be a citizen of his kingdom if you're in a capitalist democracy like our own. You can likewise be a citizen of the kingdom of God if you live in communist country like China. You can even be a citizen of the kingdom of God if you're living under the thumb of a foreign king and a dictator in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. As Jesus closed out his Bible, he says simply, whosoever will may come. Whosoever will may enter into my kingdom and my way of life. Whosoever will may, may come. And when we come into Jesus' kingdom, what we're going to be looking at over the course of this series is that we go from being upside down to being right side up again. Okay, when we enter into his kingdom and live the kind of life that he teaches us to live, we begin to live the life of abundance that he promised to us, a life in the kingdom that is one of character formation and beauty and goodness and hope and joy and peace and all of those things that are available to us right now. So every week in this series, what we're going to do is talk about a single characteristic of the kingdom of God that we might begin to live in that a little bit more starting today. This morning, we are reminded from the book of Matthew and also from the book of Luke that the disciples came to Jesus, and as Jesus is growing in stature and as many, many people are coming to him, they beg of him, Lord Jesus, would you please teach us how to pray? Would you teach us how to pray? And as Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, both in Luke and in Matthew, you know what he starts with? He starts with the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer serves as a model prayer for us as we enter into the kingdom and we begin to live into the kingdom more and more, that we would live out the words, that we would regularly pray the, the words of the Lord's Prayer because this is Jesus teaching us how to pray. Look at Matthew 6. Verses 9 and 10, you'll find it up on the screen or in your Bible. Again, though, this is in the Sermon on the Mount, and this is Jesus teaching his disciples as well as the crowds on the hillside. This, then, is how you should pray. Over in Luke, the disciples come to him and they say, please teach us how to pray. In this case, he's in his Sermon on the Mount, and he looks over the hillside to his disciples and again the crowds, and he says, this, then, my friends, is how you should pray 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Emphasis, on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, we are invited to pray that God's kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven. What does this mean? That we would seek God's kingdom here on earth as it's always done in heaven. Like in our very small postage stamp of creation that God has entrusted to us, like in our neighborhood, at our address, what does it mean that we would seek his kingdom right there? We would pray for that. Well, we need to define what we mean by, by the kingdom of God. You can follow along on your outline if you, you're taking notes. This is the basic definition for the kingdom of God that we'll be using throughout the series. I think it's an accurate one to what we see from Jesus throughout the Gospels. The kingdom of God is this. It is the beautiful reign of God. It's the splendid, beautiful reign of God in the lives of ordinary men and women and children like us and also in systems that would conform to his will. And so it affects individuals though, that when we embrace Christ as our Lord and Savior, we do enter into the kingdom, but the kingdom is more though, than salvation. The kingdom also affects all of life. That we would enter into the kingdom would make a difference in the way we pursue justice and pursue mercy and in everything that we do every day, the way we work at our businesses, the way we go to school, the way we interact with classmates and well, with teachers, all of that is impacted by our view of the kingdom of God. It's a, it affects us individually as men, women, and children, but it also affects systems like families and businesses and churches and schools. And the kingdom can come and make a difference in all of those different places. Say, for example, let me give you a few examples. Say a group of teachers at their local school is very concerned, a group of counselors at their local school is very concerned about the health of their kids. And they notice that many of the kids come from tough backgrounds, and many of the kids are really struggling. And so they get together and they say, I know we're here at a public school, and we cannot pray individually well with each of these kids, but what we can do is we can pray together for each of these kids. And so we're going to come together one time a week at our lunch hour, and we are going to pray over the kids that we care for so much. And we're going to ask God that he would use us in their lives, that we could be instruments of his peace, that we could be beacons for them of the light of Christ in some way over the course of this year, that we would be instruments of his hope. That, my friends, when a group of teachers would do that, in another system that's not set up for the proliferation of the kingdom of God, well, when a group of teachers or counselors well, would choose to do that, that's called infiltrating a worldly system with the kingdom of God. And that kind of thing happens. That happens through people in this fellowship here. My wife and I support a ministry in South India, and this ministry started some 21 years ago to, to provide an English medium school to lower caste people. There's still a caste system in India, and lower caste people typically cannot get an English medium school, and that's the way to, to get ahead in India. And so they said, we're going to provide a K through 12 school for lower caste kids here in South India to overcome this unjust structure that is keeping these people down. And they provide not only a school, but, but also the very first hospital in a 50-mile radius and Hindus and Muslims and Christians come into this hospital and they're all prayed for. And they're all loved. 
And no matter, no matter their caste, no matter their religious background, the leaders of the, this ministry who are on fire for Jesus, followers of Christ, they are an outpost of the kingdom of God there in South India. Okay, this is what we're invited into, the, these kinds of things, that we infiltrate worldly systems with the goodness of the gospel. I know of mothers who go to their child's school 15 minutes early just so they can wait in the pickup lines. They get out of the pickup lines and they go wait in front of the school and they leave their cell phones in the car. Imagine that. And as they are looking at other mothers, they're looking for opportunities to interact with them and seek to develop relationships with them and look eye to eye with people and thereby infiltrate the digital metaverse with the kingdom of God. Okay, like that's the kind of thing now that we're welcomed into. This is affecting systems by the power of Christ inside of us. Please hear me. The kingdom of God is not something that we accept now and then we enjoy when we die. It's not that. The kingdom of God is to be entered into now, enjoyed right now, and perfected when we die. It actually has an impact on our little postage stamps of creation. It strikes me that we talk a lot about our duties as American citizens, and that's a good thing to talk about, but I wonder, do you think about your duties as citizens of the kingdom of God? Because that's our ultimate citizenship. Let me share with you a few examples how the Bible speaks to this. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 says this, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles here, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. And so what Peter is doing here is he's writing to Jews who oftentimes are there in Israel, would consider themselves to be citizens of Israel, but he reminds them you're actually exiles here on this earth. So live such gloriously beautiful lives amongst the pagans that they may see your good deeds and realize that you're a citizen of another kingdom. Wow. How about Ephesians 2? Another example, though, this one fell from the Apostle Paul. He came, Jesus came, and he preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. He's speaking to Jews and to Gentiles, Jews and Greeks, two different ethnic groups here. And he says, he came to, pre to preach peace to both of you. Through, through him, we both, Jews and Gentiles, have access to the Father by one Spirit who unites us. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but your fellow citizens, underline fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So he's reminding these two groups, y'all gotta get together. Y'all gotta get reconciled with each other because you are not citizens first and foremost of Greece or Israel. You're citizens first and foremost of the kingdom. And so across all the different nations, we seek reconciliation well with one another. Across all different people groups, we seek that because that is kingdom work. Philippians 3.20, Paul puts it this way, quite simply, our citizenship is in heaven. Whoo, thank you, Lord. Our citizenship is heaven. We eagerly await a savior far from there. And for now, we serve as an outpost of heaven, a colony of heaven here on earth. You might be Roman. You might be part of the Roman Empire, a huge nation, he's telling them. A huge empire, a huge kingdom. But that's not your citizenship. 
Your citizenship is in the kingdom of God. Theologian Clark Pinnock puts it this way. This is so beautiful. He says, citizens of the kingdom are a colony of heaven on earth. Living in perpetual Pentecost, turning what is evil into what is beautiful. That's so dope, isn't it? Like a colony of heaven living in the perpetual joy of Pentecost. Holy Spirit, come down on us and help us to live in that. Turning what is ugly, turning what is evil into what is beautiful. And when we live that way, well, with respect to the kingdom, we remember that like Nebraska is our home and it's a great home, but it's not ultimately our home. And America is our home and it's a great home. It's a wonderful place to, to be a citizenship, to have citizenship, but it's not our ultimate citizenship. And so while we love it here, we have to be really careful not to love it here too much because we're exiles here, we're citizens of another place and we take our commands from another king. Let me remind you of our story. There was, there was this man who came from a dusty country village in a nobody type of town. And when he entered time and space, he said, here I am, the kingdom of God is now at hand. And people started to follow him because he was known for healing the sick and giving bread to the hungry. He was known for giving water to those who were spiritually or physically thirsty. He was known for actually caring for people, saying to nobodies, you are somebody. And so people started to follow him, and he decided to build this movement that was based on these 12 ordinary apostles, just ordinary people like us, and then a handful of women as well who collectively well, would follow him. And as they followed him, his movement started to build. But many of those apostles and many more of the Jews who were looking at him got very disturbed by his vision of the kingdom. He said that he was the Messiah, the son of the living God, that the kingdom of God had come here to, to earth. And what they thought they, that he meant and what they really were praying for is that he would be a kick-butt Messiah. A king who would take no prisoners kind of king. The kind of king who would restore power to Israel and give the people of Israel a really cushy life. But he said, I never came to bring that kind of kingdom at all. I'm not that kind of king. Instead, I have come with a kingdom of love and mercy and humility as opposed to power and vengeance. I'm not looking to merely be the kingdom giver to Israel. I'm looking to be the kingdom giver to the world. You see, people started to hear his vision of the kingdom, and many of the apostles were distressed by it, and many, many more Jews were totally mortified by it because, again, they wanted a different kingdom that would come by force, and they disliked his vision of the kingdom so much that they killed him. True story. That's how it went down, and that's why it went down. But the grave couldn't hold him. And when he rose again, he gave this Pentecost to his people where he poured out his Holy Spirit on his people and then he gives us invitation to join with him in his kingdom work that the church would 
live as this colony of heaven in perpetual Pentecost, turning what is ugly into what is beautiful, that the church would have our priorities set in such a way that as Jesus puts it a little bit later in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, we would seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Mm. That we would seek first. Get this, when Jesus gives his model prayer, he says, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it's always done in heaven. And then toward the end of the chapter, he says, seek that first. Seek first the kingdom above all else and my righteousness and righteous living and then all else will be given to you. You'll have everything that you need. The rest will be taken care of. My friends, the unifying theme, the unifying story of the Bible is the loving advancement of the kingdom for the glory of God. You want to understand what the unifying arc of the Bible, it's this. It's the loving advancement of the kingdom for the glory of God. And our part in that story begins not with our intelligence. It begins not with our wealth, not with our power. It begins with prayer. And I believe that Jesus would invite us in, even our church during this particular season. I believe he's inviting us into a new season of prayer together that we're starting here today. And it would begin well with these words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as a church family, what we're gonna do is engage in this idea of pray 100. 100% of me, I'm giving to the Lord in prayer over these next 100 days that I commit myself a little bit more to prayer. Up on the screen, yeah, you'll see this little business card, and as you leave today, you'll have an opportunity to pick up this business card, Pray 100. And on the back side of the business card, yeah, you'll see three prayers that I might encourage our church as a whole to pray together over these next 100 days. Lord, number one, would you change my focus? Father, change my focus from the kingdoms of this world to the kingdom of God. That my eyes would be fixed on what you want done in my little world. Number two, concentrate on one. Who is one person? Who is one ministry that God is calling you to particularly invest in over these next hundred years or perhaps for the next year? I have my one, a new ministry that I've recently been investing in that I wasn't investing in before, and so I'm really praying for that ministry and for the individuals that I'm working with in that ministry. I'm praying for them for the next hundred days. And the third one is this committed, commitment prayer. What's one request that I commit to praying? So request, maybe for you or for your family. I have something in my family right now that I am committing to pray together over these next hundred days. And just seeing, God, what might you do? What answers might you bring? How might you change me as I give myself more and more to you in prayer over these hundred days? Friends, we really need to ditch the idea that prayer is a ritual that we do a couple times a day but before meals because we should. Because we're told that we should. Like, that won't invigorate any relationship with God. We also need to ditch the idea that prayer is something where you put in some numbers, you say certain words, kind of like a cosmic ATM machine, you have a certain mantra, and out comes some goodies from God. That's a low view of God. And if you have either of those views of prayer that you just ask and you're gonna get some goodies, or you pray because you should and it turns into a ritual, I promise you this, your prayer life will become dull and you will quit praying. 
Okay, prayer's gotta be bigger than that. To keep praying, you have to have a vision of prayer that includes this. I get to enter into the presence of God and the presence of God is the most transformative influence in the world. It's being in the presence of God that changes me more than anything and in the presence of God, God wants to change me. Okay, that's number one. And number two, my first role in kingdom advancement comes when I'm on my knees in prayer. God invites me through the Lord's prayer to say, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, may your kingdom come right here. So I pray for these areas where your kingdom is not yet manifest. I see these areas in my character, in my soul, where impatience and anger and frustration reside, where lust or greed or whatever it might be for you reside, and I want your kingdom to come to my soul. I see these areas in my family that are not at peace, and you want to bring peace. You are the way maker who's able to do it. I see these areas in my neighborhood, and you want me to be a kingdom colony, to be the manifester of the kingdom in my neighborhood or in my workplace. And so I pray over these, over these next 100 days. You decide what that is for you. You write that into the business card, and you just give yourself to prayer over this time. Every Monday, over these next 100 days, at noontime, we'll have a different spiritual leader in our church, a different uh, staff leader or prayer partner, something like that in our church, on Facebook Live, leading us in some teaching related to prayer, guiding us through some prayers, Monday at noon. You can go to Facebook Live and go get that. Each and every day on your church app, there will be a different prayer that appears to you. If you use that church map that we talked, or app that we talked about earlier in the service, you'll get a single prayer on that that you might pray. Uh, there'll be a number of other things, though, that happen over the course of these nine next hundred days, but, but we're gonna give ourselves more and more to, to God in prayer, and it begins, well, once again, with this proper vision of God where we say, Our Father, hallowed be thy name. It's such a beautiful thing when we think of the Father this way, that he is our loving daddy. You, you know, the way Jesus says, Our Father, in the Greek is Abba, and Abba means daddy. <laughs> Saying, dear daddy, holy is your name. You can pray to God like that. You can call him daddy if you want. I do sometimes. Dear father, holy is your name. Set apart and unique and totally gracious and merciful and powerful in a way that I could never imagine. Loving, holy is your name. And so I'm praying, Lord God, over these Hundred days, may your kingdom come and may your will be done here on earth as it's always done in heaven. Whatever looks like Jesus, that's what I want done in my world right now. And you might say, I don't know what to pray over for a hundred days. Well, good. You can try it out this time. Okay, there's trial and error in this. That's okay. Prayer is not an exact, si exact science. There's trial and error. One of the things that you can say is, God, I think I want to pray for this. I think this would be your will, but I'm not sure. And so if there's something else though, that I'm not thinking of, I invite you, God, to cancel out my request and show me something different. Okay, like that's basically what it means to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what it means when Jesus says, whatever you pray, pray it in my name and it will be given unto you. It's not ending every prayer with, in Jesus' name. You can do that, but that doesn't make it an official prayer. Okay, that can turn into a mantra, which can be dangerous, actually. It's praying kingdom priorities. 
It's Jesus, whatever you want done in the world, I want to pray for that, and I want you to use me in that. That's what it is to, to pray in Jesus' name. And so I just want to ask you, would you commit to this with me? Would you commit to this with our elders and our pastoral staff, our staff as a whole, who is all committing to this over these next hundred days, would you commit to joining us for like maybe five or ten minutes every morning that you take out your prayer card and you pray over those three requests? And we kind of keep track of how God is changing us in the process. And we keep track of how God answers our prayers. And the first of January, we will celebrate ways that God answered our prayers and changed us over the course of these hundred days. And it just might be that as we enter into the presence of God a little bit more, and then as we seek his kingdom above all else a little bit more, could it be that God would take some of us who are flying upside down and turn us right side up again? You see, we're citizens of another kingdom. And as citizens, our power begins when we're on our knees humbly before God in prayer. What I'd like to do as we start this 100 days of prayer is ask you all to stand with me, both here and in the venue and online at Carnegie Free. You can stand as well. And as we stand together, what we're going to do is we're going to pray this full prayer that, of course, occurs there in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. And uh, as we come up to the line in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Instead of on earth as it is in heaven, what we're going to see on the screen is in my little world as it is in heaven. Because, my friends, that precisely is what Jesus is inviting us to pray and to work for his kingdom come, his will be done at our address, in our workplace, in our school, in our neighborhood, in our family, in our little world, as it's always done in heaven. That we would actually be these colonies of heaven living in a perpetual Pentecost, turning what is ugly all around us into what is beautiful for the glory of God. Would you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my little world as it's always done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen.